1: idea of ending their existence Consumes me.
2: Welcome back to Observing the Pattern, a fringe podcast where we discuss each and every episode through all five seasons. Today we are discussing part one of the two-part finale over there. We will be talking Olivia and Faux-Livia, Walter and Walternut, Broyles and Broyles in a tight black t-shirt, Charlie and 12 Monkeys Charlie, everything. <laughs> um, and because there are two parts, what better way to tackle this than with not one but two guests today. So joining me will be my two favourite people to podcast with Andrew Brooker. Hello mate. Hello mate. And Chris Haig.
3: Hey guys, how are you both doing?
2: Good,
1: so far.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just so they're aware, we are recording this on the hottest week the UK has had in 2020. So there is a kind of a, okay, this is fun, let's not go it for too long. Recording in probably a quite a small room where it's going to get warmer. <laughs> yeah. So there is that. Yes. Um, apart from that, though, no, I'm good. I'm looking forward to us talking about this. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm about the same. So I'm, I'm boiling hot. I can't deal with the heat. Uh, obviously, I'm. I I'm, I'm on quite a busy estate, so there's a lot of people outside. So mm. it's not that I, I'm worried about noise. I don't want them to listen to me basically talking to myself because they can't hear you two. So I have to close all the windows. <laughs> It's it's a bit close in this kitchen, lads. I tell you. Oh, I bet it is.
2: Well, I'm I'm in an office which is probably about four meter by four meter, something ridiculous like this. it's a wardrobe basically. So, nice. Yeah.
3: Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well. I am currently in my lounge. I have every door open. Um, I'm currently because I'm on a first floor thing with a terrace. I'm looking out. That's quite a loud uh, estate with lots of kids. However, I don't care. I'm not closing any doors. I don't care if I seem insane because I need the breeze. I need the air. <laughs> and I've heard and I've heard my neighbour saying weirder stuff. Uh, the problem than is anything at, I'm going to say at the here.
1: moment. There is no breeze. Any breeze that does appear, it's hotter than the actual air. I I don't want the breeze. I'm good. Well,
3: I, I mean, that is, that is irrefutable logic, but I'm also saying, no, I'm still not <laughs> shutting the door. You can't make me shut the door. I know I've got a USB fan going as well, and its I'll tell you how well it's working. You can't hear it. it can't be... If it was really doing its job, you'd hear like, it. It
1: can't be doing that good a job.
3: Well... I mean, I'm just, it's kind of, I mean, I'm sat on my sofa and I'm sort of in a weird like jab of the hook position just trying to angle it into my face, so it's, it's, it's doing, doing something. It appears to be recycling the air around, making hot air into kind of lukewarm air, but I, I'll still take it, I'll still take it, I'm not built for the heat.
1: And we and <sighs> were worried about derailing the podcast quick.
3: Yeah What are we, uh three minutes, eight seconds in?
2: Yeah. Hold on, lads. Listen
3: <laughs> listen, I mean I know I'm like patient zero for this, for derailing. Really, so as Brooker will attest from the series one podcast. That was one of my favourite
1: episodes to record though, that's the best way of that.
3: <laughs> And yeah, and one of your least favourite to edit, you were like, we've, oh, we've d- talked for three hours, there's like twenty minutes of usable <laughs> shit. <laughs>
1: It was great.
3: Just throwing in just throwing in clips of John Noble to make it sound like a sound, yeah. <laughs> sound like I was actually talking more than I was.
2: Yeah. Oh. I can't wait to edit this episode. Then, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Um, oh. Okay, gents. <laughs> now, before we start talking about the episode in detail, I just want you to try and cast your mind back to the first time you watched this season finale, and you know, without going into too much detail, what your abiding memories. Of watching it for the first time was did you go in blind or had you watched trailers or read some forum stuff or did you just go in not knowing what the hell was going to happen let's go with chris first
3: so for me this is and it's weird because another jj abram show has a sort of effect on it so i wasn't really into kind of the forum stuff and kind of saying oh well the spoilers that you know these are the photos or here's you know the hints of this and all that sort of thing but and about a year later, that's when I got into... Because it was the end of Lost. And that was when I was really like, I want to know how this ends. So I missed all that for this year. So I went in pretty blind. Um, I'd only just started sort of properly getting into the show. And I remember watching it on... Oh, that was it. I watched it because my old setup at my mum and dad when I was a teenager was I used to be able to get their um, Sky box uh, in my upstairs TV through some kind of probably illegal jiggery-pokery. Um, so I could watch it later and I remember watching it and then, because you you get what the twist is about five seconds before they pull the rug out from under you and I remember out loud going, oh shit and then immediately thinking oh god, I'm like "Oh, I'm going to have to wait now over the summer for series three and that was the thing that killed me, I'm like, oh I really want to know what happens next How about you Brooker?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I, was—I think I was pretty much the same. So I, I kind of, at at this point, we were still watching episodes week by week when they were hitting the TV. uh, And Fringe was a regular for us. It was, you know, every week we'd—well, we'd record it and watch it the night after, because or the the evening after. Uh, But I think this is one of those episodes, or these two episodes, are uh, are a good example of those—one of those times where we went, "Oh my god, I wish we'd watched this yesterday, so I could watch it again now." Because it's so fucking good. <laughs> uh, I do remember going in blind though, so I didn't, I didn't purposely go looking for for stuff on forums and that about it. Mainly because, and I still am. I'm terrified of spoilers.
2: Yeah, I mean it's even worse today. I think in this day and age, but even back then, I I, I tried to go into this into this finale blind, and just think, you know, the cold open. I'm just going, what what? 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 <laughs> what happened to her hair? Charlie, yeah, yeah. what's going on? You know, it was a yeah. proper, proper pull the rug from under your feet kind of kind of thing. It was, yeah, it was a proper okay, you've got my attention now. Here we go.
3: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, and it does it because it, it's only like a, a two, three minute opening sequence for the start of part one, and it kind of goes oh, right, okay, there's Olivia, and the hair's and oh, our Charlie's alive, and who's this guy with the leather jacket and all that sort of thing, and then they go to the opera house, and, you know, there's the guy, and he's kind of horribly disfigured and that sort of thing, and then you do this great sort of sort of pan backwards mm. or pan out, and then you just go, oh! And then it, do- it does the whole title sequence thing, um, and I think it's 36 hours later it does, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's it, the way it sets it up is so so good.
1: It's a, it's a superb like quick fire open as well, isn't it? Because it go it opens up on the screens, you know, fringe event and you know, fringe headquarters, New York. You're like, oh, oh, this is cool. This this mm. could be a bit futuristic. Oh, what's what's going on? And then obviously you get Olivia with, with red hair. Like, oh, okay, that's that's new. And then obviously Charlie coming onto the scene, and we're like, oh shit, this isn't this isn't our world, this is, the, oh, this is the other world, oh, what's going to happen? I I, would, mm. I loved it. And like you say, them to the opera house and you, as a, well, I don't know if you guys are the same, but me as a, as, a, as an audience member, as, as someone watching this, I kind of went, I was clicking as, as to what was about to happen, you know, 10 seconds before it actually happened. Oh, they're going to be in there, aren't they? They're going to be in the opera house. Oh, there they are. There they are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the whole, uh, the, the moment of them, the, the alternate universe guys, wondering what the bloody hell is going on because they've got ID cards that they don't recognise and who the hell is this dude on our money. I mm. It was just such a superb opening. Mm.
3: It's really efficient in... Because, yeah, it's only about, what, five minutes? It, and it manages to set up not only the world and key differences and all that kind of stuff, but it also you look at pretty much all of our main... Cast. Yeah. But through a different lens. So you get Olivia, and she's, I mean, credit to Anatov, and it's something that will come through kind of from the show onwards, is how. Easily, she and she distinguishes our Olivia from this new kind of full Olivia. Yeah. You know, she's more confident, she's got more of a swagger. Yeah. um Cocky. She dyes her hair. Yeah, uh, you know, you get a read on Lincoln, you get like a funny read from Charlie, because it's both like a reintroduction, and it's also, oh, this guy's a bit of a different take on him, that sort of thing. But it's still our you Charlie, man. Yeah, exactly. That's like, you kind of like, oh my god, Charlie, because obviously in you know not to spoil anything, but you should have been listening. He dies in the series two <laughs> opener. Like our Charlie dies, and there's like a shapeshifter. But you know, it's so nice seeing him back, and it's really good seeing Kirk Acevedo back. Yeah, but then you get stuff like, oh, okay, this isn't, and it's similar to what Anna does when you look at Jessica Nicole, and she you can instantly tell this isn't Astrid because this kind of alt you know, she's very cold, very clinical, very detached. She's got, and I, I can never tell if they're supposed to be like contact lenses. That sort of.
2: Yeah, I think she's got some kind of enhancement that that aids yeah. her in her kind of digital, um, her digital view. I think, but but Agent Farnsworth, that was the, that first, you know the first time I saw it, that was the difference that really got me the most. Mm. It was the most far, far apart. Than you know of, of these two characters than any of the others were, and it was like, wow, she's so different.
1: Wasn't that wasn't that the thing she'd done on purpose? So, uh, oh my god, I'm I can't remember. What it, yeah. Is it her sister or something? She is. Her, her,
3: her, her, yeah, her sister is on the artistic spectrum. Yeah, so she based it on her sister's movements and actions, and she's did um, a comic. On kind of her sister, and it would kind of informed her choice in doing Altstrid. So yeah, it it's why it seems really authentic, but it's also like you know, like Luke said, it's completely different to the Astrid we know, and it accomplishes it in just like five seconds. Yeah, like just through body language. So yeah, it's really impressive.
2: Yeah, and I like I like how as as well as distinguishing the characters, we get as you said, we get a, a, a brief glimpse of the world, but a lot of information. So. It, hmm. It's 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 almost dystopic. It's militarized um, and we get information, you know, that there's there's a, they're going to a fringe event there's a, a hole in the fabric of the universe. They may have to quarantine it, which we learn is basically encasing everything in amber. Um, we know that they've got advanced tech in the form of these show me cards. So these ID cards that are called show me cards, which I really like. Um, mm. But all these, all these little differences So they have, you know, they're advanced in some ways But n- not in every way In in some ways we're more advanced over here
1: Can can we talk oh, about yeah. the the most advanced they are though? And it's the fact that they continued And they have at least season 11 of the West Wing
3: Yes! Oh, yes. <laughs> the poster, yeah.
1: yeah What I wouldn't I mean... give to live in a world with 11 seasons of the West Wing
3: <laughs> Oh, I know <laughs> um yeah, that made that made me chuckle. As someone who's not seen it is on my list, I will sit down and watch it, but I've seen clips and I'm like, oh okay, this seems quite fun. Um but yeah, it's stuff like that, and you'll see we see a lot more of it in series three. Um but it is stuff it's like, you know the Statue of Liberty being it's uh kind of well it's say traditional, but it's actually what the colour is supposed to turn into. Um it's supposed to turn bronze eventually. Ah. Um but it is stuff like I'm trying. Who who's on the money? It's not Andrew Jackson. Who's on their version of money? It's, Isn't it um, Martin
2: Luther King? That's it.
3: I was I was thinking. I was like, it's so, It is someone really famous, and I just couldn't place who it was. But um, who's this yeah, Jackson is, guy? Yeah. Who's who's Andrew Jackson? <laughs> um, <coughs> but it's yeah. It, it, it's that fun kind of stuff. The way you go. Oh, okay. In some ways, they're more advanced, and yet in some cases, it's worse. So, like, they still have Zeppelins, mm. but they don't have coffee. You know? They have all this advanced technology, but then, to be fair, there's also... that You know, they're stripping the rights of people in Case in Amber because they can't free them. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a really weird... You know, as we find out, when they're in and Amber, they are still alive. It's just like a suspended animation... Yes. ...sort of thing. But there's no kind of, oh, we we're going to retrieve them and it's a temporary process. You know, there's a little... News bulletin that reads out and it says, "Oh, uh, the rights of a thousand people or something have been suspended and the declared legally dead because they just they won't get them out of the amber." Yeah. So it's quite a weird. It was ten thousand people in
2: Madison Square Garden uh, legally uh, called dead, basically.
3: Ah, okay. Well, see, I thought the ten thousand. It might be both it actually. Might be, yeah. The ten, the ten thousand is what this thought that quarantining. The um, opera house was going to be. Ah, right. Yeah, it, could, it it probably is both, but then yeah, you get the fun stuff, and then in like the background of uh, Peter's apartment, there's like the Red Lantern and the Red Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> all you know, because Joshua Jackson's a big fan of comic books and so they said, "I'll tell you what, we'll make Peter a fan and just knock him some up." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's that it's that kind of world building that I love, and that you know, when we go into series three, it's so fun doing all the little." You know, like, I I don't know if it's I don't know if this is one. I really hope it is, but for some reason in my head, there's instead of Cats the musical, it's Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason in my head, that is real, but I'm not sure whether or not I've just like imagined it or fantasized it. Um, but I guess we'll see. But yeah, no, it's really fun. And then you get this setup, and the team's in danger. Um, you know, some someone is mysteriously dead. We've got two people who we only sort of. No, um, whose names I cannot remember at the moment, actually. And then it drops, and then there's the title sequence, which I believe is this: they make a glorious sort of red version. Yeah. Did anyone notice what the switch was? Because they switch one of the words out.
2: They do. Uh, Brooke, could you know it? I'll give you a chance no. first.
3: No. No clue. They
2: They swap parallel universes with first people.
3: Oh yes, yes they do. Because the first people is like a reference to Sam Weiss, who appeared earlier in the second season.
2: Yes. And it's also because there's a, a, a myth, isn't there? Like that the first people built the machine. Um, mm. And then we find out much, much later in season three, and spoilers, people, uh, eventually we find out the truth about the orange of the machine. In, in fact, Walter sent it back in time from the year 2026, so that 2011 Peter would see the destruction caused by the machine before he used it. So trying to erase what's happened basically yeah it's it's all timey whimey wibbly wobbly as the doctor who would say yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i love that uh virtual crane shot we get out of the dome of the opera house and over the cityscape i thought that was really cool as well
1: oh the uh, the big so you, you see the world trade center and you see the uh yeah. the zeppelins and the the other the building i don't recognize in the background.
2: There's a there's the Twin Towers, and then there's the Transamerica Pyramid building, which is actually in our universe in San Francisco, but in New York over there.
1: Ah, I did not know that. There's
3: also yeah, there's also the hotel, isn't there? When they arrive, they say, "Oh, he never built." It was some kind of arch, architect never finished a built a uh, hotel, and that's how they know that he's definitely in the universe because they walk around the corner and They go, "Oh, yeah, there it is." Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, cool. I have no idea about American history, so I'm just going to take your word for it.
2: <laughs> and let's let's talk about, um, uh, yeah. So basically, we're 36 hours earlier. Walter is watching footage of Peter leaving with Walternut and has a moment of re- uh, a moment of revelation as Olivia is in the bar alone, and an observer leaves a diagram on the on the bar stool next to her. Uh, which basically is a page from the book of the first people with, with a with a drawing of Peter with smoke coming out of his eyes, which looks quite doom-filled.
1: Pretty menacing looking, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I like this scene here where Olivia she she's being pretty forceful with Walter here to keep him focused on the goal, isn't she? And and uh and the page that indicates Peter is part of a prophecy, uh the first people created the machine. Yeah, so um, they basically go to Massive Dynamic to see if Nina can help. And I love Broil's badass. He's just like, don't even think about it. And he strides into the <laughs> office and just demanding of Nina. I just love it. It's brilliant. One of Broil's greatest moments, I think. He d- he does have some good
3: moments. It is funny how he immediately just like, no, 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 no. Don't We don't have time for like, you know, bullshit or anything. <sighs> I need you to tell me what this is and Blessed Nina does just go oh okay fair enough yeah. <laughs> there's not even any resistance really she goes okay fair play it's not all's um, and then yeah
2: <laughs> yeah because essentially they need Massive Dynamic to help them get over to the other side enter our resident uh, Massive Dynamic Scientist one of my favourite minor characters Brandon who I just think is brilliant um, I just love the way he's so exuberant about, about any time he's Uh, Disappears and reappears, and then he basically shatters the atoms of it to to Mm. basically um, show that you know crossing over is a very dangerous thing. Um, And we learn that traveling between universes corrodes the cohesion of our atoms, and basically, William Bell's about ready to explode. Really, uncohesive is that a word? I don't know. Uh, It is now. Probably, it is now. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we've officially put the stamp. Patent on this word, <laughs> uncohesive Things cohese, and then they <laughs> Um I did notice the line that Walter says here: uh, "As many atoms in each of us as there are stars in the sky," and that gets repeated mm. later on by William Bell, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, because it's uh, Bell who says, "You're the one who taught. To- you're the one who taught to- or told me Walter or told taught me or told me uh, there are as many atoms." In the human body, as there are stars in the sky. So it's it, it's a nice moment because they do start off this two-parter. I'm well, not even really Loggerheads, but Walter is just really much like, oh, it's you know, bells the villain, bells this that sort of thing. And then by the end of it, there's a moment of real kind of sacrifice and uh, friendship, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a uh, lot of pent up hate between those two isn't there, at the beginning of this episode. Mm. There's... It's quite nice to, by the time you get to the end of it, it's quite nice to see it more or less dissipated. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And there's an interesting little nugget in kind of their last conversation, which uh, we'll come to when it happens. But yeah, it sets up something quite interesting about Walter's character.
2: Mm. Um, And then we get our our kind of reintroduction to some of the fan kids that that we've met over the past two seasons. We've got Nick Lane, who we met in Bad Dreams uh season 1 Sally Clark I can't remember which episode we meet her but she's the one that sets things on fire um and then James Heath who we actually only met a few episodes ago who uh who has has the ability to take tumors or give tumors or cancer to people what what did you think to their their interaction with Walter and and his and his speech to them I'll go to you first
1: Brooker I really liked it so I I think it was quite Considering the subject, I think it was quite realistic because wouldn't we all react pretty angrily uh, to that? To, you know, to a guy that done that to us as kids. I, yeah. I, I like the, uh, I like the laughing when they all when they when they see the the bunch of them enter the room. I thought that was great, and I do like the reaction towards Walter and I I like Walter's uh, reaction back. You know his kind of his humility in what he's done.
2: Yeah, definitely. Isn't it really weird hearing Broyles laugh? <laughs> <laughs> it
1: really it, is. Yeah,
2: it was so bizarre. It was like
1: uh, 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 I was like,
3: what, "Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> who's that laughing?"
1: What, what makes it worse is oh. you kind of got to you end up uh, you have that on you have him laughing there on one side, of it, and on the other side he's basically GI Joe. When he's in the alternate universe and his tight t-shirt and muscles popping out, going "Come on, people, let's move!" You know, it's a it's a weird pairing those two what that that same character across both universes. So yes, having that laughter makes it even more jarring, I think.
2: Yeah, definitely. And 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 Walter kind of trying to apologise for what he did. You know, he he admits it was barbaric the, the nature of the experiments, but it was necessary to evolve them into guardians of the multiverse i nearly said guardians of the galaxy but i stopped myself <laughs> yeah these kind of guardians of, of 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 the multiverse and that line you know today is the day for which you were all created um is is a, it, it has a nice kind of symmetry to to some of the events that we've had over the over the past couple of past couple of seasons
1: yeah so it, I think it works uh, not just as a bit of uh, redemption for Walter but for the for them as well isn't it because obviously most of the time when we've seen these the, the cortex kids, they're all they're doing bad things you know so it's it's Walter's chance at redemption and Walter's chance to help them redeem themselves a little bit as well
2: Yeah and it's interesting that Nick Lane like comments, you know, he seems different than he was before, but James Heathers like, no, he's exactly the same. So they've all got different memories of who he was and how he is now as well, which I, I, I found interesting. Yeah. And then we get a we get a quick glimpse of all their nights off because, you know, they ask asked for a night off just before they start transferring to another universe, as you would want a night off before you're doing that kind of thing. And there's a nice moment here where Walter smells Peter's clothes, which is kind of heartbreaking and sweet at the same time. And Olivia gives Ella... Chris, I told you Ella comes back.
3: Okay, listen, I was going to bring this up. <laughs> the last one that we did is... I was like, I swear this is the last time we see Ella. And I had completely forgotten about this. So, yeah, so th- this is the last appearance of uh, Lily Pillblood as Emma. And I think Ari Griner as Rachel as well. I think they're both... Uh, I think they're both kind of gone from now. I think they end up moving to Chicago. Um but it's it's quite a. If this is their last scenes, it's quite sweet, um, and I think there's a nice bit of character building and a bit of story in the fact that she gives a um, she gives a, it's called a lily. Then uh, she gives Ella this necklace, and it's really important to her. Um, and then you have the scene with Rachel, where she kind of says, "Oh, we should do this more often," and you know, they're having a nice sisterly bonding moment. And then Rachel sees that Ella has. Um, the necklace on, and that I think is Rachel's kind of indication that oh, Olivia thinks she might not come back from whatever she's doing, and she's kind of unable to stop her. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 really beautifully played out. I think as a, because you do see them sometimes. These kind of like oh well, the last night before we're gonna go go off and do possibly a suicide mission thing. So you get you know, uh, you get Nick and. I've completely forgotten Sally. Sally, I kept, you know, I kept wanting to call her Sarah. Uh, you've got Nick and Sally and James. Um, which, to be fair, if I had James' power, that is it's kind of what I would do. It's kind kinda of, literally just go around and be like, right, okay, come on. Do as much good as you can, just in case you end up um, dying on the way. And then Nick and Sally have their kind of a sweet moment. But for... For for the sort of the family unit of Rachel and Olivia and uh, Ella, it's it's basically it turns out to be a send off, and it's a a very bittersweet moment because you know Rachel for a time was romantically involved with Peter, and that went by the wayside. And Ella's had a presence throughout kind of series one and series two, so it is sad to see them go. But if it was going to be in. Any way, particularly in the world of Fringe, which isn't afraid to kill people off, I'd rather it be this way, and they get kind of like gently consigned off between seasons, and they're just living kind of quiet, happy lives rather than all bad happening to them.
1: I can get behind that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and I mean, I think with all the intricate plot lines that are coming in season three, I just don't think it would have room for Ellerin and Mitchell anyway. Uh, so in the Opera House, uh, which in our universe is, is run down and under renovation, not like the the gleaming gold and red uh, over there. Uh, Walter guides the Cortex fan kids into using their collective psychic psychic abilities to open the door to the other side. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the direction of the scene and how they do the travelling over. It's 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 done in a very low tech way, isn't it? There's no fanfare, no fancy effects. Just wonder what you guys thought.
3: Um. <sighs> It was fine. I mean, it, in full discretion, I, you know, I watched this yesterday. I cannot remember how the hell they actually transported over, because it, it generally it was it, there was no kind of grand spectacle to it or anything. It was just it was the equivalent of sort of right. We all hold hands and sort of just focus and do a lot of kind of squinty face acting. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. It like, is. Yeah. You know. It's not. It's a bit like what I feel. poor Elizabeth Olsen has to do whenever she's Scarlet Witch. It's just that they do a lot of squinty face acting and some arm stuff. Yeah. You know her. Her physical training must be fantastic because she's like, okay, I've got to work the face muscles now. It's the same thing, really. It it, it it was neither impressive nor unimpressive. It was like, oh, okay, there we go. It was very. It was almost the definition of a means to an end because we know what's going to happen because we've already seen the aftermath. You know, now that we know who the other characters are and their roles in it, we know what's going to happen.
1: Yes, it's kind of one of those moments as well where you look at it and you'll
0: go... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: don't want to make this too big or flashy because we Mm. might have to do this a lot over the next couple of years. So we don't want to blow all of our budget (laughs) transporting between uh, dimensions every other week. Uh and obviously they get to use their, their, their budget elsewhere in the next episode, which is quite a a, a bit of a bangy episode. But yeah, it, mm. it was just it was can we say functional? That's a yeah, damn it was good word, functional. yeah. <laughs> it yeah. did what yeah. it was there I to mean, do. Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, let, let's be fair, it's you know, exactly what you point out. We're not expecting them all to do like a sort of sailor moon transformation. No. Like a five minute sequence where they all sort of like start to glow and then disappear. It's just, it's, yeah, it it, it does the
2: job. Yeah, it's literally, I mean, it's literally what was in the middle of the circle kind of turning around and facing all of them. So the camera then assumes his point of view and, and mm. the camera spins. And then that's when um, James Heath falls down with tumors on his face. So and that's the indication they you know that they've arrived, so yeah it is functional mm. that's a good word and it, it it's not too flashy, and we know that they've arrived
1: and like you say we we already know the end game to this particular scene there's no you know exactly, it's not like yeah. we don't know what's going to happen, we know they're gonna mm. we know they're gonna arrive, we know they're gonna hide because we know they haven't been caught yet, so you know it's yeah it's a it's a it's a functional thirty five <laughs> seconds.
3: Definitely. Um. We've. Someone's used that expression before. Um.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. What was it like? It was a functional thirty-five seconds. <laughs> That's how I got my daughter. Oh god.
3: Okay.
1: Oh dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so glad my wife do not listen to this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think you'd have to find a way over there if she did.
3: She just replies on on Twitter, going like, yeah, 35 seconds, we did it twice. Yeah. Yeah. It it was functional. (laughs) Time for sandwich in between. Oh, Oh, love. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And it just occurred to me, actually, why uh, Heath grows all those tumours because he's been sucking it all up from the hotel uh, cancer patients. It actually didn't, that link didn't even occur to me until now. So, and I've watched this episode twice, but there you go. Yeah.
1: Isn't that the beauty oh, of this yeah. show, though?
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: It's going to be another decade of watching it before you found everything. Yeah,
2: exactly. There's always little little treats for you to find. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the over there fringe division make their way to the Dod, which is now the bronze looking Statue of Liberty, to see Walternet aka Mister Secretary, uh, and we glean some go- some more good background information here. So ZFT uh, was written in 1995 by in in this universe. Uh, the fringe division of DOD was created to investigate and quarantine what they call environmental and natural disasters, which is ho- uh, holes in the fabric of, the, of their universe, which started in 1985, zero event Raiden Lake, which we all know from the episode Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walter tells the team that the events uh, are not natural, but caused by man from a parallel universe. And I think me and you, Brooke, have talked about this before, that there's a good parallel to climate change
1: here. Oh, absolutely yeah it wasn't it the uh, the we were talking about how it's a uh, basically the the stuff that we do that wrecks the world is a is 100% an allegory for what we're doing wrecking our own world with uh, with with the constant need to try, try and keep going back and forth mm.
2: mm-hmm. yeah and I like the kind of you know Thirty, forty years ago, climate change was thought to be natural, and now we know it's man. So I, I like that kind of statement that he puts in there. It's a, it's, a, it's a good allegory. Yeah, That's and right. it,
1: it's the uh the, excel- the the acceleration of the events in the alternate universe as well. So obviously you had one in 85 five, eighty five, wasn't it? Uh, and then you know they 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 moved on and they they got more and more frequent to the point where they were, you know, quarantining the entirety of Boston because one got so big. Mm. You know.
2: Yeah, no, I like that kind of parallel and allegory to to, to that, and you could put that to a lot of stuff that goes on in fringe as well, which I which I really like. Uh, so then we see we see Peter for the first time, who uh, wait wake, he wakes up in a in a room. At first, I thought it was a hospital, but then it just turns out to be a bedroom with some hospital stuff in it, uh, monitoring his health from crossing over, I presume. Uh, I'd love to get both your thoughts now here on his reunion with his with his mother, um, who we haven't seen since the episode. Peter,
3: Chris, let's start with you. Oh, I mean, <clears throat> this. I think. I mean, I think it's. I have such a thing for all the Brady and I think she's such a fantastic actress that I watch this and no matter when I watch it, I'll always get a little twinge because it's so sad because it is a reunion. And it is between kind of like you know he's there, Peter, and there Elizabeth, but so much has changed, and it's it's awkward and it's sweet and it's really sad and it's just it, it it's a lot. And then it seems as silly things like oh well, you know you used to like bacon as a child, you probably don't eat it now, and you know it, it it's really weird because it is it's almost equivalent to. Well, it is. It's literally someone's child was stolen mm. and, you know, 20 years later, they've been reunited with their parents. It's like, oh, wow, you are just a completely different person. And, you know, they missed out a lot. And she has that line of, you know, he says, oh, I'm sorry, you probably don't want to hear about um, my mother. And she's like, oh, no, I, I literally just want to hear everything about how you were brought up, which I thought was quite a, a, a selfless line. And she has this... I <sighs> say It's almost like if a fragile strength to her, because we know that our our side, um, Elizabeth did end up committing suicide. Um, I think it's about f- five years ago, ten years ago, um, on the show's timeline. And so you see that you know, in many ways, she's quite delicate, and she is kind of uh, held together quite carefully. But then she is in- she- incredibly strong as well, because she manages to go through this experience and kind of go well. You know what? You're still my son, and I want to hear about everything you've been through, rather than choosing to ignore it. So I I, just, I just think it's a fantastic performance. Joshua Jackson's always great, but I think having him and Ola Brady do this because they have the scene in the kitchen, then they have a scene out uh, when they're having breakfast together, and it's just it's so they, they just work so well together. I honestly love it. Yeah. What about you, Brooke? any thoughts on this
1: scene? Yeah, I mean, I think it, uh, I think Chris is now right on the head I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Peter in this scene and how he he uh, he looks <clears throat> obviously he's happy to be reunited with his mum and 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 there is that moment where he's like he's explaining what his mum on our side was like and and you can see there's there's it's not just he's not just happy to to be reunited but also you can see he's a bit nervous trying to explain to her about his mum it the poor guy is the poor guy's so confused and so emotional about what he's doing and you can see that in the scene I think that's brilliant uh but I think Chris is right as well I think it's a it's a really sad moment mainly because you know maybe it's because I'm watching it now knowing where the season goes or where the series goes but I'm like you, you're watching this reunion and and everybody is so happy about it and you're like this is only going to last another hour for you guys because he's off in a minute and it seems almost forlorn watching it, <laughs> because you because you know it ain't going to last, and that that's that's really quite upsetting for me to to watch.
2: Yeah, it's very bittersweet, isn't it? Um, yeah, and it is. You almost want to be joyful at their at their reunion, and and because I mean because we've got we know how how the series goes but i think even even the first time watching you you get the sense that that peter might not be there for very long um but joshua jackson i think is is he's very he gives a very understated performance here particularly at the very beginning when he's just looking at his, at his mother that he hasn't seen for for god knows how long it's just i love i love how very understated he is and it, it's it's not big acting it's it's very small and personal
1: and introvert I think he does that very well across the whole episode though because you, you see mm. that mm. with uh, uh, a little later on when you, when they meet Olivia from the other side or when he meets Olivia from the other side and you yes. can kind of you can see him you know you remind me of someone I know but you can see him seething when he's like I think I like you better you yeah, know you miserable motherfucker no, you don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you could, you can see him trying so hard to 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 he wants to hate our Olivia and he he wants to try and make himself fit
0: It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over forty and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging and with MIDI health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
1: into this world when he knows he doesn't belong. Because, and it's yeah. the same when he's talking to his mum. It is very sad and it is very bittersweet because while he might be their Peter, he's really not, you know, he's grown up over here and he's, you know, for 20-something years, he's been here. So he's our Peter. He just doesn't belong here. And and I think that you're, you've, got to, you've got to watch him fight both of those sides of of himself, and I think Joshua Jackson does an excellent job in putting that on screen without actually really saying it, which I think is, for a a regular old TV show, I think it's some brilliant fucking acting.
3: Mm. Yeah. It really reminded me of, there's a couple of um, horror movies that do this really well. So there's a film called The Final Girls, in which the heroine basically get stuck in a film that her mum was the actress of and so she uh, but her mum's dead in real life and so she gets to experience the same kind of bittersweet Yeah reflection with a, with a woman who looks exactly like her mum but isn't her mum. And then there's also and I these, these films genuinely choke me up, Happy Death Day. Um the second one yes. is uh, she skipped into an alternate timeline and she gets to reunite with her mum who died a few years back. And the scene where she realises that she can't stay and that she's robbing kind of this version of her of the time she has with her mum who's still alive, it, it honestly broke me the first time I watched it because I'm like, it's so sad, but it's also incredibly selfless and... True and brave, and it's yeah. It 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 has real shades of that that yeah. are reflected in. I, I, I think you're right. Episode here
1: because Peter has yeah. the exact same thing. So i in, in Final Girls and in and in Happy Death Day two. They they know they know they can't stay. Mm. They know that that it has yeah. to have an end, and they you know, and they know that no matter what, it has to be tragic for them to go through, so that you know, in Happy Death Day, the the other one can. Had their life back, or you know, or so things can move on in Final Girls. It has to be tragic for them, and, and I think Pete, I think yeah. Pete is exactly the same. It has to be yeah. horrible for him, but he knows he can't stay. He doesn't belong there. And obviously, as the, the next episode and a half moves on, there are other reasons why he can't stay there. But the, the big part mm. of it is he he simply doesn't belong there.
3: Yeah, because let's be fair. If 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 he felt like he belonged there. He could say to his dad, Okay, I'm not gonna do this, I'm gonna yeah. refuse, or I c you know, he'd find a way to kind of null the machine or do whatever it takes. The, the dude but is wall-headed
1: yeah, enough, he would have cut off his own hand so it didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the kind of character Peter is. And I think 'cause let's 'cause let's be fair, in you know, in
3: the over there side, just get robot hands. Yeah. They're probably more advanced than ours. Yeah. So um but yeah, it's just it, it is such a big part of it in that he was ripped from his home, but now he's made our side his home. So it's it, and it's something that does play into series three and four and onwards. Is the idea of like how do you define a home? Is it where you are from, or is it the place that you make mm. your home? And I just think that's really well done here. Even as sad as it is to watch, I think it's just it's such a masterclass in. Um, subtle acting. Yeah. You absolutely. wouldn't have thought of
1: it, would you, out of the dude out of Dawson's Creek. You just, I know, you just, I just wouldn't don't... have thought of it.
3: <laughs> You'd been like, Percy, the depth. Who knew? I mean,
2: in terms of expressing feelings through looks and facial expressions, I mean I mean you've got the masters of it like Pacino and De Niro, who can literally and 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 McKellen, who who could go through a film without saying a word because you can tell exactly what they're thinking just by looking at them, uh, and I, I I honestly think Joshua Jackson is 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 just about there. He is superb at introvert acting and and conveying emotion
3: purely through his face. Do you, do you want a little bit of spooky timing? Go on. Then. So today, recording, Joshua Jackson has announced that he, uh, he's expecting his first child. No, honest to God, um, he was with Diane Kruger for a number of years, and I still cannot like. I'm gay, and I don't get uh, why would you break up with Diane Kruger? She's like, <laughs> like if I if I had a chance with Diane, she's Kruger, a stunning I'm like, yeah, woman. I don't know why like, I left I her. <laughs> I mean. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, growth of the relationship, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's with, with a British actress called Jodie Turner-Smith, who was in Queen and Slim last year and is excellent. And, yes, she put it on Twitter. She said um, it was some kind of daddy joke with a few photos of him. So, yeah, I guess they're expecting their first child. Oh, yeah, they're married. So, yeah. Wow.
1: That's excellent. pretty cool.
3: That
2: is. Yeah. I, just, I
3: just thought it was really spooky timing, to be honest. Yeah. I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a shiver? Or are you too hot for that? It, listen, if I could shiver, I'd be really grateful at the moment. <laughs> All I'm doing is sort of... I'm melting into a le- leather sofa here. This is doing nothing.
1: Oh, no, mate. This is why I moved out to my kitchen. I can't sit on leather in this temperature.
3: How are you sitting well, on leather, man?
1: <laughs> well, at this stage, I'm not really sitting on it. It's
3: sort of... It's its slowly embracing You're me. part of it, <laughs> Oh dear, yeah. It's like that Doctor Who where they slowly start to get absorbed like into the <laughs> into Peter K. I'm just like, oh, I'll just be a face before.
2: <laughs> oh dear, Absorbed into Peter K. That's that's not an image I want to think
1: of. <laughs> a fate worse than death. That one is.
3: Yeah. It is.
0: Oh dear. Just hearing
3: just hearing garlic bread jokes until the end of time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So no, so we get this really great scene with. Um, Elizabeth and Peter. And then I can't remember where we go from here. Well, I mean, the subtext of the scene also
2: is that is that uh, Walter has asked his mother to give Peter the plans for this machine. And, you know, the whole subtext is that Walter is telling Peter a lie by saying, if we get this machine working, we can we can save our universe. When, in fact, what is intended to do is destroy ours. So that's yeah. a thing we don't know at this point, but it's an underlying subtext that's that's kind of there lingering um so our uh our team make their way to meet hopefully meet william bell at central park uh again they can't get on the bus because they haven't got a show me card mm-hmm. uh which i like and that's where we see the west wing season 11 board at the bus stop yeah so our team arrive at, at, at central park no william bell so they think that uh he's he's betrayed them. as siren sound and the alternate fringe team turn to turn up uh, Lincoln Lee, was it Lincoln Lee or Liv- uh, or Frayle? I can't remember. Shoots Nick Lane, uh, and that's when there's a nice little bit. I don't, I can't remember if this is ever chased up later down the line. But Lincoln Lee recognizes Nick Lane, doesn't he? Because it says Nick. Uh, but I don't know if this is ever a, a plot line that's that's ever chased, or is it just left as a as a little
1: mystery? Uh, I um, I don't remember, honestly.
3: No, no I don't remember that because in the I think. Lincoln shoots Nick because a uh, Olivia then shoots Walter. That's right, yeah. Um yeah, cuz he sort he somehow Walter then just sort of toddles along. Yeah. With a bullet in his back going like, "Oh, well, it appears to be keeping going." Yeah.
2: I love his self-diagnosis as he's walking along. "Oh yes, uh, you know, I've got I've got trouble breathing, I've got a hypoxia blah 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 blah." And he and he opens his coat. "Oh shit, I've been shot." <laughs> I like
1: I I can still walk though, so I must not be paralyzed. Wow.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Some
3: doctor, yeah, good scientist there, uh, Walter. <laughs> um, but thankfully, well, that's that is the definition of Walter. Though. No common sense. He he, he can recognise he's been shot, but he doesn't do enough to not get shot. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I like the
2: you know the uh, the absolute fortunate circumstance that he he happens to pass out right in front of a hospital.
3: Well, there is a is there not a because it's in Central Park, isn't it? I thought there was a hospital right near there. I was there.
2: Yeah,
3: I think pretty sure there was.
2: Oh, I well. will oh, let him off then. I will let him off.
3: Yeah, because yeah, so I've I've only been a couple of times. There's one because it's right near the Met, and I think the I think it's there is a hospital that's pretty close by there. Right, okay. Which I guess would make sense because you know, dickheads in the park are always going to get injured. Okay,
2: that's You, you, you know, they're going to get shot by alternate people in other universes. So yeah,
3: yeah, shot by people, attacked by swans. Who knows?
2: Mm, there you go. <laughs> and this is the bit where, because throughout the last 10, 15 minutes, Sally's been basically burning up, isn't she? And, uh, mm. and, and we get the culmination of this when Sally basically explodes herself and burns Lincoln lead to a crisp. Uh, but he manages to
3: somehow be alive. Right. Um, and then he, I will, can, can, can I, if this is like a sharing circle, it is, I will be honest. I burst out laughing. When I saw, and I will explain it, when it's like, not when he got like crisped, but it was when the team were just stood there watching him and I'm like, oh my God, are they in shock And he's dead? I'm like, no, no, no. They know he's alive. They know it's recoverable because they've got like super hyperbaric chambers or whatever, you know. Nanite regeneration chamber. Nanite regeneration chamber. So I'm like, yeah, but no one's like doing anything to help him. They just stood there until Full Olivia comes along. and She goes, "Yeah, all right." And he's like, "I've been better." Yeah. Like, it was just, just such a funny moment to me because I'm like, it was like they hit the complete wrong. It was like, it was like they, they told him right, he's dead. But then the actual context of the scene is, no, he's he's gonna be fine. <laughs> like it was just a complete mismatch to me. So I watched it and I was there because I I didn't I completely forgot if he was alive or I knew he came back as our. Lincoln Lee, but no, I just—I I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world.
1: <laughs> is it? Is it really I'm bad? It's like, just the wrong thing. Is it really bad that I didn't laugh at any of that because I was too busy looking at the makeup, going, "Holy shit, that is amazing."
2: Yeah, it, it, it looks, is good. It is good. But that, thats literally literally—I—I
1: I, wasn't—I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. I was just the horror fan in me going, "God, that looks fucking grim." <laughs>
3: Yeah, it look, you were there, just like this knocks the tits off Final Destination three. <laughs> it really did.
2: <laughs> it looks crispy. It really it it does looks look crispy. crispy. It, but it's Ooh. it's
1: the uh, oh my god, this sounds so gross. But it's a like, it's the crust that he's got on him, and you cause you can you can see it when you when you cook meat, and obviously it crusts up, and then you you move it a little bit, and it cracks and breaks, and you can see the the wet meat underneath, and that's what he <sighs> looks like. And I was like, yeah, oh, pu- and it looks, it looks delicious, I'll be honest.
2: You Is it you <laughs> is, is it really bad
3: that I'm hungry now?
2: Y- yes, a little bit. <laughs> do,
1: you,
3: do you know what you've just, you've literally just solved it for me? I was like, what does it remind me of? Game of Thrones, the greyscale, when Sam cuts it off Jorah. Because it, it's all like scaly, but then he has to like cut it off yeah. so you can see it underneath.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh, that solved it for me. I was like, that really reminds me of something and I couldn't think what. Ah, oh, there we go. Yes,
1: it, 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 I mean it's really gross. But I've seen—I can't remember the word for it—but there's a word for like uh, in hospitals, like in burn victims, they take basically a, a stiff brush and brush off dead skin, and oh it, my God. it sounds horrendous. But I've seen images of it, and that's what it looks like. It looks like just this dead skin that's happened to be broken away. And it, but yeah, it, it looked amazing. So I'm I'm all good with uh, relatively rubbish transporting scenes when I get gruesome makeup like that Mm. that probably says more about me than it does about the TV show
2: (laughs) yeah so basically Olivia is is, is left alone in the woods because Walter passed out in front of a hospital so we get a quick scene where she basically uses a fancy kind of telephone directory and finds out where her alternate self lives and kind of watches her through a window and then William Bell turns up telling her that Walter is in trouble and they don't have much time how did how did William Bell find her there?
1: What did he say? Did he say he he took a guess, or he yeah, played, he like played that. a hunch? Uh, I mean, I suppose if there's if there's gunshots of plenty from the place you're supposed to, or gunshots of plenty and a giant scorch mark on the floor to the uh, at the place where you were supposed to meet these people. I suppose a hospital would be a half decent guess.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And then we end with a scene with Walter entering a kind of large chamber, a large room with the same page that uh, uh, Olivia was given by the observer, uh, the prophecy of Peter and the actual machine and the actual, and we see the actual machine itself in the dark in this, in this room. And he leaves the room with, uh, with what we learnt in the next episode to be is, is a power cell. So this now implies that Walter knows what the machine does and he's using Peter to activate it. So, final thoughts then guys on this on this part one of over there
1: that's amazing it's it's a it's an excellent episode of TV it's it, it tells you in in that what is it 42 minutes it tells you so much about the the other world it introduces all these new all these new but not quite new characters in and a couple of new ones it just and its it, it's so fast paced and there's so much information coming at you it's it's a it's a breakneck episode of TV it's brilliant absolutely brilliant
3: yeah no I have to agree I mean for the pace it goes I really enjoy the fact that when you compare this to Over There Part 2 there's so much character work in this mm. Like, in terms of what actually happens, it's basically they assemble a team, they go over to the other side um, some members of the team die and then they meet with William Bell and Peter has a reunion with his mum but so much of it is based around characters, so whether it's the big character moments you get where it's uh, a lot of stuff with Walter and Peter or if you get it where it's uh, Olivia with her family or even you know the characters who we've only spent maybe one episode or two episodes with um, like Nick and Sally and all that sort of thing you get this, you know, when they show them in their time's off, they didn't need to include that. But I think it's quite a, a nice way of fleshing out characters so you get to feel the impact of their loss even more later on. Because none of them survive into uh, Part 2. You know, James kind of dies on the way in, and then Nick and Sally uh, kind of take take themselves out mm. um, in Central Park. But it is really nice to get the, to get those character moments, and like Brooker said, you know, to establish a world and establish our kind of core heroes on the other side. In this, and it is a fantastic. It's the five minute introductory bit that sort of ends on a great cliffhanger, leading into the credits, and then it's you know such a great cliffhanger going into part two. So yeah, I can't. I think this is absolutely fantastic. I think part two has a bit more in terms of action. Uh, and it's less focused on. It, it still develops character, but you've got less characters to really uh, focus on. But yeah, I can't. I, I can't knock it. It's such a good episode of TV, and it's a crying shame it didn't, you know, get something in terms of awards.
1: But it, it basically, it basically acts like another pilot episode, though, doesn't it? Because it, it has to do all the things a pilot episode does. It's got characters mm. to introduce, mm. a world to yeah. build, but at the same time it's soft pilot in itself within another TV show and it does an amazing job of doing all of that and keeping you interested and keeping you on the edge of your seat. But like, there's so much happens because like, the second time I watched it this afternoon, I checked my phone for two minutes and looked up and three things had happened. You know, yeah. it, it goes at such a pace. It, it's so, like you say, it's such a brilliant episode of Tally.
2: I don't think Fringe... And in particular, the, the key writers of Fringe, I don't think that they get enough credit for how they manage, like you said, Chris, they manage to put in so much character work and give you information that we haven't known before. And it doesn't mm. feel rushed. It doesn't feel overpaced. It it works perfectly. And I think the, the writers honed their skills so well that by season three, which I, I think in my opinion is... Is the highest quality that they get to in in uh, in fringe out of all the five seasons. I just think season three is just one of the best seasons of television. Full stop. I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, but the 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 skill and level of of the writing, I think it's a crime that they didn't win awards for it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there was some Saturn Awards picked up, but in terms of, and unfortunately, it is because it's sci-fi and it will. It at the time they weren't really doing much in terms of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, obviously that changed with kind of Game of Thrones and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think it's a crying shame. Uh, fun little bonus thing. In the past five minutes, I'll be honest, when you were talking, I was texting my mum. Because she was a nurse for a number of years, and I wanted to know what that term was you were talking about, Brookie, you know, where they remove the... Oh, yeah,
1: go on. Uh, skin. Debridement. That's a bad boy. What a horrible, horrible word. And yeah. A, yeah. It's a worse word when you've seen what it does.
3: Yeah. There's like a, I'll, I'll be honest, I did like kind of go, Oh, debridement, what's the, and the first image that comes up is from the Winchester Hospital, and it's fucking gross. It is horrible. <laughs> it's it's not even like a picture, it's just a, like a sketch rendition, and I'm like, oh no. That's not good. <laughs> That's not nice. Um, Yeah, so, today has been sponsored by the word debridement. A word
1: not to Google if you're eating your dinner.
3: No. No or possibly at all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> fantastic.
3: Any time of the day, really. <laughs>
2: That's a gem of information for you, there, listeners. Um, <laughs> so, did you guys spot the observer? Uh, please tell me you did.
1: It, it was in the bar.
2: You
3: mean when he handed yeah. the file?
2: Off. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> at least, at least I know
3: you watched the episode. I was fully like, "Are you just?" <laughs> I mean, it's funny because you were like, "Oh, at least it, what's the episode." I'm like, "Yeah, but you, you literally did tell us as well."
0: Every day, we rise. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: You did yeah. say the scene in the bar. Yeah. When the observer comes to think of us I'm like, oh, so we didn't need to have seen the episode. We just needed to remember a conversation half an hour ago. Exactly.
1: Did, <laughs> when when you recorded the uh the episode August, did you ask them when they saw the observer as well? Just yes, I, yes did. Awesome. I did. I did. I <laughs> did.
2: I was just making Uh, sure Chris was on the right podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm there there like, no, but there was definitely
3: a Klingon. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And the cipher this week was weapon, Mm. which I presume is all to do with the the machine, the the real, uh, you know, the real uh, purpose of the machine.
3: Well, and Peter. Oh, and Peter. Yes. In a way, he is a weapon. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, he's part of the weapon, isn't he? The the weapon doesn't work without him. It is, you know, he isn't a weapon. I I would say he's the weapon.
0: Mm. Mm.
2: So this week, you'll be very glad to hear that there's no quiz. Because since it's the end of the season, I thought I would ask each of you to tell me your top three episodes of season two. uh, And very briefly why you chose them. So what we'll do, we'll go around and all do our third and then we'll all do our second and all do our first. So, Chris, what is your number
3: three top episode of season two? Oh, mine went in an order, but hang on. Uh, my, you just said here's you three, and I'm like top three, and I just thought you meant just three in general. It doesn't have to be uh, in order, but just what your number three okay. was. Um, I, it's a bit biased because this is one that I covered on the podcast. That, that's okay because uh, two I, of mine are
1: like that. <laughs> oh.
3: Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna have to say uh, Betty. I just, I, I loved it. I thought it was such an interesting fun take on episode I love film noir um, I don't mind the odd musical so it was really fun to see that and to see um, this exploration of Walter's character uh, in a completely different way and it's a good use that everyone got kind of a chance uh, to shine throughout
1: the episode
2: yeah definitely yeah I, I really enjoyed that episode really good fun uh, Brooke. what's your number
1: three uh, so I think my, my number three would probably be episode 15 which is Jacksonville hmm so I, I mean I think it's a great overall episode, but it's also that episode where we get Olivia's fully activated powers. We you know we've got the the the, the building shifting, we've got the really cool effects of people being molded inside themselves, but it's also uh, the episode where she sees Peter shimmering and just the penny drops. Mm. And it's, and obviously this was only from where we are now, this is like seven episodes ago and we've had seven episodes of this snowballing at a breakneck pace to where we are now. And it it just feels like the the catalyst for everything that goes on from there to here. It's just one of those moments. I think it's just when she realizes, I think it's a brilliant moment
2: yeah from jacksonville to to the end it's just it's a masterpiece of tension building and plot building isn't it really from from that point onwards
1: it really is it really is it's a it's a fantastic what well, you know what did i say seven eight episodes uh it's a yeah. brilliant eight episodes in a row which is rare in a lot of tv shows to have eight solid episodes in a row mm. uh, but you definitely mm. get that at the back end of this season
2: yeah well my number three actually also happens to be jacksonville as well so i think you've said all the reasons why why it's good but it is i mean the main reason is because of that game changer that that it changes everything that reveal to olivia uh
3: so chris your number two yep uh my number two is it's it's technically not one of the better episodes but i just have real fun with it um and it is the episode the bishop revival mm which is the one where guests at a wedding party are targeted by this kind of um, biologically specific toxin, and it's to do with Nazis. And it reminds me a lot of like the boys from Brazil and this kind of next wave in Nazi uh, kind of DNA. Um, I just I enjoyed it. It's just a really fun episode for me. It's one of, I think it has special significance because I got my mom and dad into Fringe through Series 2, because they were big X-Files fans, and this is one episode I did show them and go, okay, so this is kind of what the show's like. Um, it's not as big on uh, the mythology. It kind of puts it on a more of a back burner this time around. But no, I just really enjoy it. It's an episode that is just uh, a bit silly, a bit goofy, um, and it's got quite a cool uh, weapon, which I don't think is too far out of the realms of human possibility.
1: It rem- that reminded me a lot of, uh, have you ever read James Herbert's book 48? No, 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 no. It reminded it. me a lot of that, which is uh, it's it's set at the end of World War Two where just as Hitler's about to be defeated, he sets off a biological weapon in all his V twos which kills off almost everybody of a specific subset. Uh, mm. and then it's set in the aftermath of that. It reminded me a lot of the weapon in that. It was a very, it's a very cool episode actually. Cool. Uh, and Brooker then what's your number two? My number two I think will be uh, episode one. So, the first episode that you and I spoke about for this season. Yeah. Uh, for, for a couple of reasons. But I'll be honest, the biggest part of that episode for me was not long into it when you know there's been an accident. You know something weird's going on. But what you don't expect is five minutes into it for Olivia to come flying out of the window. Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> it is yeah. just... God, I love that! It is a real holy shit moment, and for so many reasons as well. Like, holy shit, they've just thrown Olivia through a window. Holy shit, how did that happen? And holy shit, they've just thrown Olivia through a window. Is she all right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that what a moment that is. It's that it's such a
1: fantastic considering, obviously, because we go from the the big reveal of the alternate universe and and the the trade center and everything in, in the end of season one. And you've got to follow that up and you've got to follow that up in a big way to keep your audience going, what are they going to do next? So what they do is they nearly kill their main star, you know, in a in a way that, let's be honest, it would be quite easy to kill off your main star at that point. You know, it's. It's such a fantastic moment. And yeah, just an absolute holy shit moment that I don't think anybody that was watching that expect. No one thought that she was going to appear out of nowhere and come flying out of that windscreen. Absolutely not. And when she hits the floor, my God. Yeah. Great season opener.
2: My number two then is Momentum Deferred, which is episode four. Uh, Mainly because of the... We get... We finally get the conversation between William Bell and Olivia uh, on on the other side. And there's just so much information packed in to this conversation. And it's information that actually pertains to everything that happens from this point until the very end of season five. It, it, it encapsulates everything that's going to happen. Uh, you know, the war and everything. And I love the way this, this scene is directed with, you know, with her... Um, remembering the scene but it's also you know she's she's basically slowly having a heart attack in the lab yeah. while she's you know remembering this and that just build of tension up to where peter stabs her in the chest with adrenaline and she wakes up and she wakes up just as she remembers flying through the window screen it's just that it's just such a beautifully put together scene uh and all that information that we get from Winnie bell and it's it was just a joy to see um led the nimoy on screen again as well so that was my number two uh, so,
3: Chris, what's your number one? Uh, well, my number one is the episode White Tulip. I It's weird because I, I wasn't a big fan of it when I first watched the episode, and then when I started to re-watch the episodes over time and that sort of thing, and it sort of revealed itself to me as kind of it's... I, th- I think it's because I secretly I'm a big, soppy romantic, and this is... It's it's a it's a it's a very bittersweet love story. It's about a guy who kind of starts messing around with uh physics and time travel to get back to and you think it's kind of almost to try and save his wife and he keeps getting closer and closer uh with each iteration, but he's unable to save her or to go back in the right time. Um and he has this great uh, Peter Weller plays the guy, I think his name's Alistair Peck, and it's this fantastic scene between them about grief and loss and the things you would do. For someone you'd love and I think it's just so beautifully written. And then the ending, Um it's just, it, it it's devastating but it's also in the sweetest way it's devastating because, you know, if if they've been watching the episodes they'll know that the guy eventually makes it back in time to get to his wife on a train and hold a hand and say I love you before the train derails and they're both killed. Um So they get to be together and it's just, it was... Yeah, it it really struck a chord with me uh, for a number of reasons, and yeah, I think it's it. I think it it sort of became kind of the keystone of the series, the idea you can meld uh, kind of the head and the heart, so you can meld these scientific ideas and principles and this kind of outlandish stuff of time travel and you know theoretical physics and all that kind of stuff with grief and loss of a guy who loves his wife so much he's going to risk sort of burning the world out to go and be with her. I just, yeah, it it, it, it really got to me and it really um, does to this day. And the very ending of it, um, without spoiling things for the rest of the show, the very end of the episode plays into uh, the fringe mythology in more ways than you might think.
1: Mm. Yeah. Brooker, your number one? Uh, so my number one... Uh, it's, a, it's an episode that's not really that good. It's another one that we've spoken about. So it's Dream Logic. Yes. And it's what I love about this episode and what makes it, for me, what makes it the best moment of the entire second season is you're going to be fine. Oh, yes. <sighs> it's just such a great... Because obviously, you know, we're, we're five episodes in. We lose Charlie at the end of, of episode one. Olivia loses Charlie a little bit later, but we, you know, with her and and Sam and and all of the back and forth. So we've spent a couple of episodes kind of grieving with Olivia. And it is really kind of, we're not allowed to forget about Charlie, you know, a, a guy who should be just a secondary character that most of the time you wouldn't give two shits about. You're forced to keep remembering how good a guy he was and, and how much you miss him as a character, and then when Olivia gets that closure at the end of that episode with Sam's cards and anagrams and shit, and it turns out to mm. be that, it's just such a great moment. It is probably my favorite moment in. No, no, not probably. It is my favorite moment in this season of Fringe. Yeah, hmm.
2: yeah, that's fabulous, fabulous. It's a really good. It's a really good episode. On the whole, really, I mean, it's 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 got an okay storyline, but it's again with fringe, it's always the character moments.
1: Yeah, so, that, character moments. so that's what makes uh, Dream Logic worth watching is those moments with the characters. So it's the moments with 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 Peter and Water, and it's the moments with with Olivia and Sam, and they're they're the ones that make it worth watching. And and because you get this, you've had five episodes worth of torture because you've lost uh, Charlie, or we've lost Charlie, so you you get that. She gets closure. We get it. She gets to she gets to be on her own, and she gets to 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 just kind of to let her guard down for a bit. And it's just, it's just a beautiful moment, just for her, for us, and just in general. I think it's just a great uh, moment of television. Yeah, definitely.
2: Mm. Uh, my number one is the same as Chris. It's White Tulip. I can't really add anything to what you've already said, but it, it is a masterpiece of television it's a beautiful beautifully told story as you said it's 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 this kind of love story with time travel and it also connects with the central themes of of fringe and to walter's story and also to the battle between religion and science there's so much in this episode and it's done also poetically and beautifully and it's just it's just an outstanding moment of outstanding episode of television yeah Okay, so that just leads me to say a huge thank you to Brooke and Chris for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you for keeping us under control for just over an hour.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we are all be it again because you'll both be back for Over There Part 2. Uh, in the meantime, where can people find you on the web? Let's go, Brooke, first.
1: Uh, so you can come find me. I'm on Twitter, which is where I do all of my ranting and raving. I am at Brooke411 on Twitter. Or you can listen to one of my couple of podcasts that I do. So I do a video game podcast every other week with a good mate of mine, which is Character Unlock, uh, is at Character Unlock on Twitter. We basically just, it's an excuse for us to talk crap and play video games. Uh, And I do a monthly-ish podcast with uh, a mate of both Chris's and mine, Emma Platt, where we uh, dissect and talk about horror movies for a couple of hours. And that's uh, at Mild Threat Pod. It's the Mild Threat and Peril podcast. Excellent.
2: And Chris, where can we find you?
3: Uh, When I'm... (laughs) when I'm not busy ranting and raving you can find me <laughs> sweating down in between the cushions of his sofa yeah. I know I might not even make it to Patsy. so you might, I might have to saying like are you doing it in a book somewhere and I'm like no, I'm just inside it now uh, No, on Twitter you can find me at hi underscore boy where yeah I will just be chatting about stuff and usually at the moment just kind of hoping we all get through this very weird time we seem to be living in um. yeah, uh, apart from I'm just trying to think, what other uh, podcast wise. oh yeah, of course, uh, so I have a podcast that is called uh, Good Evening and Alfred Hitchcock Podcast which is me and two of my uh, friends from Canada, that is Brandon shea Metala and Tom Caldwell we are chronologically making our way through the works of Alfred Hitchcock, and so if you want to check out kind of movies or the kind of spin-offs or we discuss kind of the politics or the uh, the social side of stuff, or you know, all kinds of stuff. If you're interested, then please check us out there. We're on all streaming services. Um, a mutual friend of mine and Brooker's, as he's mentioned, is Emma Platt. Emma and I have a show together called North by Nerdwest, which is me and Emma, whenever we're able to, just kind of meeting up and just chatting about absolute bollocks, for, usually for anywhere from kind of 40 minutes to two hours as is the case. Uh, we haven't filmed, or we haven't recorded any in a while, uh, but we are hoping to get some done in the summer.
2: Marvellous. I would I would encourage anyone and everyone to go and listen to their podcast. They are fantastic.
3: Yeah. Well, I would, I would honestly recommend Mild uh, Threat and Peril yeah. because I haven't listened to episode two yet, but episode one is fantastic. You can find me personally
2: on Twitter at Luke underscore Winch, where I'll generally just be tweeting about science fiction and science. All the information on the show is on the outro by Tony. Stay tuned for what else is happening on the network. And until next week, stay safe and see you next time over there.
3: Observing the Pattern was created by Andrew Brooker and Tony Black. And is produced by Tony Black and Luke Winch for the We Made This Podcast Network. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review to help more people find the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at The OTP Podcast and on Facebook by typing in Observing the Pattern. You can also find We Made This on Facebook and on Twitter at We Made This Pod where you can find shows on film, TV, music and broader popular culture. Also check out our website, wemadethispod.com Thanks again for listening. Elsewhere on We Made This we are Starfleet. Star Trek: Lower Decks has been a lot of fun so far. Yeah. and you know the comedy humor is, I think, uh, I, I think it's sorely needed in Star Trek right now. Yeah, it's really nice to have such a um, different tone. Um, the, I mean, I know you didn't like the first few episodes but like i've i've certainly gotten laughs out of every episode which is not something yes. that i can say out of every you know watching every
2: star trek episode i'll be honest it's, you know like sometimes when i'm actually
3: like laughing at a star trek episode it's not because the episode intended me to um <laughs> it's it's not something that star trek has always done well common. we buy records even coming into your shop, I will I will sometimes spot stuff that you've
2: massively underpriced and I won't let you know until I get home. <laughs> oh, you're so kind, Paul, thank
3: you for that. Until you've got it home and then flipped it on to somebody else on Twitter for four times the price, which you have done.
2: I should just point out, if you if you collect jungle or hardcore, you should definitely nip into Tim's because that's the section he always seems
3: to manage to gnaws up. The X-Cast, an X-Files podcast. The teaser, you know, we get the sun, I <laughs> think, is the main <laughs> thing. Oh, you missed, you missed the previously.
2: Previously on, yeah, because we get the movie stuff. That was so exciting.
1: I was like, oh, the movie.
3: And I wonder if that sets them up for a bit of a fail here, because we see the big spaceship, and then this has to be a bit more kind of, you know, closed in by comparison, doesn't it? Because, you know, because of the budget and so on. But, yeah, that's a good point, Kurt. Yeah, well made. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.